Welcome back to Hopkins Podcast on Formula First. My name is Franz Ocilia, and I'm joined with my fellow co-hosts, Zach Wheeler and Megan Rutkai. For the very first podcast of the season, we're going to be talking about a very topical issue, the precarious state of the Turkish lira and emerging market economies. With that said, Zach, why don't you provide us with some context about the situation? Thank you, Franz. This summer, the rapid decline of the Turkish lira rattled currency markets throughout the developing world and exposed serious vulnerabilities in the global financial system. From January to August, the Turkish lira lost 40% of its value relative to the dollar. This plunge is partly due to two events, the imposition of steel and aluminum tariffs, as well as political confrontations between Turkish President Erdogan and US President Trump. But these events were no more than flashpoints. The root of the Turkish lira crisis stems from Turkey's precarious economic structure itself. But what economic practices created these structural vulnerabilities? And what makes Turkish, Turkey's crisis a global economic threat? To help us answer these questions, we talked to Professor Shoma Dasgupta from the Johns Hopkins Department of Economics. We see a pattern between Turkey's current crisis and crises of the past. Before we examine Turkey's crisis in particular, We'd like to discuss the Asian financial crisis of 1997 as an historical example of the dangers of capital flight and economic contagion in developing economies. The historical context of this situation is fascinating. And here's Professor Dasgupta talking about it a little bit more. Okay, so uh, the Asian financial crisis started in Thailand in July 1997 with the devaluation of the Thai baht, uh, which is the Thai currency. And then um, uh, let me give you a brief background of how it all started. So in the early 1990s, what had happened is that developed world interest rates um, had been decreasing. And so in quest for yield, uh, the developed world investors went to the emerging markets, especially to Asia. And these were not only the tiger economies like South Korea, but also the newly emerging uh, economies in Asia, uh, like Malaysia, Indonesia, as well as uh, Thailand. Um, so in these economies, because there was this um, substantial international lending that was coming in, as a result of that, uh, there was a considerable uh, foreign currency denominated debt in these countries. And uh, these countries were also running current account deficits as a result of that. Um, so what happened is, although these Asian economies, they had experienced uh, substantial growth rates in the 1970s or the 1980s, they had some basic problems with their economic structure. There were very poor state of banking regulations um, in these uh, economies. Uh, so um, there was some kind of... Um, uh, business and as well as uh, government officials, they had close ties with one another and um, that actually uh, fostered considerable moral hazard in lending. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, And as a result of that, for example, in Thailand, there were these finance companies that cropped up that were owned by the relatives of the business officials. Okay. But they invested substantially in the real estate uh, market, okay? And this led to a real, real estate boom, but this real estate boom was unsustainable uh, because um, this were like essentially shoddy investments taking place without any real demand for these uh, 
a real estate okay so eventually the boom turned into a bust and once that happened uh, real estate prices began to decline and as a consequence of that there were bank failures in thailand as well okay another problem with these emerging economies uh, was that in asia was that um, their legal frameworks were not very well defined um, so as a result of that uh, it was very difficult when a company was in trouble for the creditors uh, to um, take over some of these companies assets uh, right so mm -hmm. that was a big problem in this country so to recap here professor Gupta explains the structural vulnerabilities that led to the asian financial crisis of 1997 she explains how speculation and corruption led to a boom in the real estate market which in fact did not contribute to the long-term development of Thailand's economy. Next, she explains what happens when this real estate bubble crashed and why the effects were not contained to Thailand. As a result of this, um, what happened was um, that um, the uh, nation's real estate market began to decline as well as uh, the stock market, okay? Um, so by the beginning of 1997, there was a speculation about the possible devaluation of the Thai Bahad, uh, which actually uh, led to uh, capital flight out of the country um, mm -hmm. and in fear of uh, uh, devaluation. And this actually led to the Thai Bahad depreciating. Okay? Right. So this is the brief background to the Asian financial crisis. Now that we have an understanding of the historical context and outcomes of the Asian financial crisis, this being depreciation of the Thai baht, capital flight, and the subsequent regional economic contagion, next, Dr. Datsgupta is going to speak about why the Asian financial crisis spread and how this type of contagion helps us analyze what might happen in Turkey and other emerging market economies. Uh, so although um, Thailand is a small economy and uh, the crisis would have not been uh, as massive had it been contained in Thailand. But what happened is that uh, investors began to fear other Asian emerging economies that they deemed to be as risky as Thailand. So capital uh, fled not only out of Thailand, but it also fled out of other economies like Malaysia, Indonesia, and even the more developed Korea. And all of these economies eventually faced uh, currency crisis as well. So except for Malaysia, all of these economies requested for assistance from the IMF and they got loans from the IMF in return of their promise to um, abide by certain economic policies that are consistent with IMF's recommendations. Uh, so some of these policies included um, increasing the interest rate um, to uh, stem the exchange rate um, depreciation uh, or exchange rate devaluation um, and uh, also uh, fiscal prudence that is uh, moving towards a more balanced budget um, and adopting structural reforms that would help address the weaknesses in the economy, as I mentioned, in terms of banking regulations or lack of proper legal infrastructure. And um, all of these, um, although these measures seem to help, but uh, in the short run, actually, all of these economies uh, contracted. They went from uh, an economic growth rate of above 6% in 1996 to negative growth rates in um, 1998. 
So that was a big uh, problem that the uh, crisis did not remain confined uh, to Thailand and it spread all across, uh, all, all throughout the emerging uh, markets of uh, Asia. At the beginning of the podcast, we asked the question, what were the structural economic vulnerabilities that created the potential for economic crisis in Turkey and other emerging market economies? To address this question, Professor Dasgupta discusses fiscal policy following the 2008 financial crisis, specifically QE or quantitative easing. Uh, so quantitative easing as a, a, mor- a monetary policy was extensively adopted by uh, the developed uh, economy central banks uh, to stimulate their economies out of the Great Recession. So typically what happens is a central bank would use a short-term interest rate, like the Fed uses the federal funds rate uh, as a monetary policy tool. But uh, in 2008, short-term interest rates were already near zero. Uh, So they were not very effective as monetary policy tools. So now the Fed and other developed world central banks, they began uh, reducing the long-term interest rate uh, by buying uh, long-term uh, government bonds and other long-term securities, uh, for example, mortgage-backed securities. So this really helped stimulate the economy on one hand, but also provided the financial institutions who were holding on to these longer-term toxic assets with much-needed liquidity. Now, these financial uh, institutions now had this liquidity to work with, and uh, they could not invest that in um, uh, these funds in uh, developed countries because developed world interest rates were really low. Uh, so they decided to send these funds out to um, emerging economies where interest rates were comparably higher. And um, this resulted in countries like Turkey accumulating substantial foreign currency denominated debt. Um, and, uh, and this was a consequence, direct consequence of uh, these uh, financial institutions sending out their funds uh, in quest for yield uh, to emerging markets like Turkey. And um, what did um, like the people at Fed and the central banks of Europe do with the toxic assets of the banks afterwards? They held on to them as part of the central bank's portfolio. Um, the Fed uh, instituted the reversal of QE starting in October of 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the reversal of QE meant that uh, they were now shrinking their balance sheet that they had held on to since uh, the adoption of QE. Now that we understand what quantitative easing is, we'll now discuss the problems associated with the ending of quantitative easing, specifically for developing economies. In this case, Professor Dasgupta speaks about the problems associated with the ending of quantitative easing for the Turkish economy and the Turkish lira crisis. So essentially, um, as the developed countries began to recover from the global financial crisis, uh, they began increasing short-term interest rates again. And um, also, uh, they began to taper QE initially. So tapering means that um, they uh, gradually reduced the size of their asset purchases. Okay. Um, and uh, there were some central banks that also reversed QE, as I was uh, mentioning to you. Um, so uh, Fed started reversing QE in October of 2017. Reversing QE meant, means that uh, they started 
shrinking the balance sheet that they had occurred as a result of quantitative easing. Okay. Now, as these interest rates began to increase in the developed world, now emerging countries like Turkey faced a problem because they now faced a higher international cost of borrowing. And also, there were not as much capital flowing into these economies anymore. Moreover, with the higher interest rate in the US, the dollar had become stronger and so these emerging market currencies depreciated relative to the dollar. This made it increasingly difficult for these economies to service their dollar-denominated debt and this created problems because now uh, there were these uh, companies, there were these banks in Turkey and other emerging economies that had these substantial dollar-denominated debt but they could not uh, find means of servicing these um, dollar-denominated debt, okay? And this actually uh, caused the predicament of the emerging economies. In the beginning of the podcast, we posed the question of what are the potential outcomes on the global economy due to the threat of the emerging market crisis in places such as Turkey. We have now determined that the structural vulnerabilities in emerging markets stem from the end of quantitative easing. Next, we asked Dr. Lasgupta to compare the current emerging market crisis with the Asian financial crisis to determine the possible effects on the global economy and to identify their similarities. Additionally, in the conversation that you're about to hear, we asked Professor Dasgupta about what potential missteps in fiscal policy might look like and about Turkish monetary policy as a whole. I think uh, they were very similar. As I mentioned before, the Asian financial crisis was caused by capital inflow into the emerging uh, economies as a consequence of lowering of interest rates in the developed world. Um, so capital came flowing in into these emerging economies. Once investor confidence in these economies was shattered, uh, capital uh, there was capital flight out of these emerging economies and um, this led to the de substantial depreciation of these uh, economies currencies okay so if you think about the current crisis current emerging market crisis it's, it has a similar background story because uh, the developed worlds had reduced interest rates uh, in the aftermath of the global financial crisis as a result of that uh, uh, in the quest for a higher yield investors um, sent their capital into these emerging economies, but now that the developed countries have started to recover and they have started raising the interest rates, uh, this um, the capital is no longer flowing into these emerging economies as much, okay? And their borrowing costs have increased, uh, their currencies have depreciated, and this has made uh, servicing of the dollar-denominated debt that's even um, more difficult. So there, definitely there is a uh, comparison between the two uh, crises. And one thing I would also like to add is that um, given the similarity between the Asian financial crisis and the current uh, emerging market crisis, uh, the uh, emerging markets like uh, Argentina and Turkey are at a very vulnerable situation now. Um, so they can, uh, they are very vulnerable in the sense that any misstep on their part can uh, send them into deep crisis 
uh, just like what happened in Asia. What would what would a misstep look like? You know, like that. I mean, does that make sense? Like, what should Turkey not be doing right now? <laughs> Bad fiscal policy is mm -hmm. a misstep. So, for example, Turkey. What did Turkey do with the international funds that they had been getting? Uh, they invested those funds in short term. Uh, construction uh, projects in their country uh, that did not have any long-term returns. Uh, if they had used the money for something which would have led to economic growth in the longer run, for example, social infrastructure development, mm -hmm. that would have been more effective for them yeah. for longer-term growth, but they did not do that. That's really interesting. Yeah. We've mentioned is mm -hmm. that, thankfully, right now, mm -hmm. the monetary policy of Turkey still largely independent from the government, right? Yeah, I would, uh, so th that's a controversy yeah. regarding this because um, uh, like economists are really concerned that Erdogan is becoming more and more influential on the central bank. Uh, but uh, the central bank did raise interest rates very recently against the wishes of Erdogan. Mm -hmm. um, and they raised interest rates to first uh, uh, control inflation which is at 25% for Turkey, which is really, really high. And also to stem the depreciation of the lira against the dollar. Um, so yes, the central bank has acted uh, independently. Um, I would say against uh, Erdogan's wishes at times, but that, that does not necessarily mean that they would be able to conduct monetary policy independently all times. Uh, so we'll see where they go. <laughs> So given the tough situation that's facing Turkey with its lira crisis right now, which countries or institutions do you think are most exposed to the problems with the lira? And where do you think contagion would most likely to spread if there were to be a development of this crisis? So European banks uh, in Spain, France, and Italy uh, carry the largest exposure to Turkish problems. Um, there are also the other emerging economies uh, like Argentina, Pakistan, Indonesia, South Africa, among others, uh, that investors consider to be of the same risk as Turkey and therefore they are also very vulnerable. Uh, there are more developed countries like, relatively more developed countries like Chile, um, Poland or Hungary, they are also, uh, they also have a very high foreign debt to GDP ratio in excess of 50%. So they are also extremely vulnerable in this situation. So I think these three groups would be the most vulnerable to a crisis in Turkey. Next, we ask Professor Dasgupta how she thinks the emerging market crisis might affect developed countries such as United States and Europe. As I mentioned um, before, the European uh, banks are largely exposed to uh, the problems in Turkey, and we live in an increasingly interconnected world now. So, uh, problems in area in a one area of the world economy through contagion, uh, they transfer very easily to other areas. Um, so, if these European banks now fail, uh, financial institutions in other parts of the world, including the United States, are very much dependent on um, these European banks, and so there will be problems in these uh, financial institutions as well. And this will initiate, uh, uh, the Turkish uh, financial crisis will initiate a domino effect that would uh, bring down different parts of the world economy. So there is a possibility that although uh, 
Turkey is not such a big player in the world economy. Uh, problems there uh, could uh, easily uh, translate into a global financial crisis. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the end of our conversation with Professor Dasgupta. Just to give a brief summary, Franz and I are going to talk a little bit about what was discussed in the podcast and then wrap it up. Right. So we first started talking about the Asian financial crisis of the 1990s. We talked about what led to the crisis, and we also talked about what the outcomes were for the region and the global economy. Right. Specifically, we talked about what was financial contagion? How does this happen? Following our discussion of the Asian financial crisis, we discussed specific fiscal and monetary policies following the 2008 recession, that being quantitative easing. And this is the same quantitative easing that in 2017, the United States' Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank started reversing. Exactly. And the reversement of quantitative easing is exactly the structural vulnerabilities that are now seen in emerging market economies, discussed by Professor Dasgupta. Stemming from these structural vulnerabilities, or adding to them, were the flashpoints, such as the United States steel tariffs on Turkey. We believe that these structural vulnerabilities and these flashpoints combined created the Turkish lira crisis. And the potential for other, other flashpoints throughout the world in emerging economies could lead to an even greater financial disaster. And based on what we discussed through the Asian financial crisis, contagion from these emerging economies could lead to a global uh, economic crisis or even recession. It's certainly going to be an interesting couple of years. Yes, it is, Franz. But with yes, that said, <laughs> we want to thank uh, Dr. Lascupta for coming and joining us in the podcast. She's not here right now, but she, hopefully she'll listen to this. And Hi, Professor. Hi, yes. <laughs> and so, yes, we want to thank her very much for doing this. We really enjoyed it. It was a very in in entertaining and interesting conversation we had, as you guys just saw. And we hope to do it again some, sometime soon. Something soon. Yes, we do. Thank you, Franz. And finally, remember to follow Hopkins Podcast on Foreign Affairs, HPOFA, on both Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, click subscribe in your iTunes podcast store. Uh, and that's about it. Thank you very much, and we hope to see you next time.